This is 51st Dates, and I'm your host, Jolie Moore. They say that hindsight is 2020. I decided to find out if that's true. Every week, I'm going to read a chapter from my memoir, 51st Dates, then give you the backstory and commentary on what really went down. It's been two whole years since I went on these dates, and I'll be experiencing them along with you as I read. We'll find out together if my future self learned anything. I don't know if I have anything figured out, but at least we'll share some laughs along the way. Dating in Southern California is nothing if not entertaining. Ready? Strap in. Let's go. Hi, this is Jolie Moore, and welcome to 51st Dates, the podcast. This is episode 18. What can I say? You know, I had a conversation with my um, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 11-year-old, he's 11, woo, um, sorry, <laughs> it's exciting. I had a conversation with my 11-year-old son this week, and we spent some time talking about the difference between niceness and kindness. And I've been thinking a lot about dating, um, especially during COVID when there's been less of it. And I think that one of the things I have come to realize um, is that I dated a lot of men that were nice, but I don't know if I dated any that were kind. So, I mean, you know, they would open the door for you, not walk in front of you, um, offer to pay for dinner, drinks, tea, except for one guy. That's a whole story right there. Um, they would, you know, compliment me and, uh, I don't know, be nice. Um, you know, polite, pleasant for the most part, but I don't know if they were kind. I don't know if they shared like vulnerabilities or took anyone's, uh, feelings into account other than their own. That I think was the hardest part. It's sort of like people want to date you, but they, it's like you're an object or something. Like they don't see you as a person or don't take into account what may be um, important to you or I don't even know, considerate. I think they don't take you into consideration. I think that's what I want to say. Um, sorry, I just dried my hair. It's a little wet and I have one of those hair towels that's supposed to dry your hair. Um, but it, uh, I have a lot of hair. I usually record these on a Sunday morning. Um, I don't know why, but it's like a quiet time and it seems to be the most reflective time of the week, but it's also the day I wash my hair. So I sometimes publish essays on medium, uh, Obviously, if you want to look for me up, it's XO Jolie Moore. It's what I always am. But I've been thinking um, about a couple of things. Let's start with this. I've been thinking about the whole niceness, kindness thing. And I might write an essay. I haven't decided because I need to write books (laughs) and not essays. Um, But I woke up yesterday, Saturday, Friday, a morning the last couple of days. And I thought to myself, you know... There are 10 toxic relationship behaviors I ignored, but you shouldn't. 
And um, I'm starting to see, by the way, why my editor called this a cautionary tale. Not so slow on the uptake. Took me a minute, but I'm, I'm getting there. But um, when I was thinking about these sort of things that have happened, none of these are kind. So I'll give you my top 10 list and whether it becomes an essay or not, who knows. Um, the first is he's married, separated, or not over his ex. Um, the married ones, you know, I, well, two said they were married. Two. I think it was two. And uh, one was honest. They were never honest in the beginning. Um, but for some reason, they didn't think it would be a problem. It was the bizarrest thing. Uh, separated? That's dicey. You know, my definition of separated, like having moved out into your own place and not hanging out together is separated. Some people didn't seem to understand that definition and not over your ex. If you and I, the woman you're trying to date, are spending every weekend discussing your ex and her proclivities, you're not over her. And... You know, so I'm of two minds about this. On the one hand, really, I want to say and set a boundary and say, you know, we're not going to have conversations about your ex. But on the other hand, I usually listen to everything people say because people will tell you about themselves. And if you cut them off, maybe you won't get the information. Um, but I feel that it's not kind to spend your time sitting with a woman that you're wooing, courting, interested in, claim to be in love with, whatever it is. And, you know, 50% of that time, you're talking about your ex, you're texting your ex, you're discussing how your relationship was really over years ago, but you're still talking about her day-to-day life. So that's number one. Anyway, two, um, he's in competition with his kids. This is the strangest thing. Well, actually, maybe not strange, because I had this mother who would spend her time, like, telling me that, you know, she was smarter than me and like, you know, she was more together than me. And I'm going to tell you, as like a woman who's 40, she was a little bit more together than her, maybe her 15 year old. But, um, like once my mother, um, so when I was like 16, I was maybe like a size four, six, I don't know, not that now. And my mother usually weighed, she was heavy. She was heavy the whole time and her weight plagued her. Um, she was always, always on a diet. God, if you've ever had Weight Watchers butter, God save us all. But one day, we were sitting around, and she goes, you know, I could be as thin as you. And I was like, okay, we're not in competition. And she went in my room, got a pair of my shorts, and pulled them on, and then promptly split them. It was the bizarrest thing. I had to toss out those shorts, by the way, but didn't like them that much, so it wasn't a big deal. And then she would always buy me, like, clothes in her size so like I was a fourth section if you buy me pants that were like 10 or 12 and my mother would hardly ever buy me anything and so I spent so much time I remember this in high school like cinching up my pants and it wasn't because that was what was in style it wasn't a gap ad um but I did spend a lot of time cinching up my clothes and wearing shoes that were her size which is nine and a half and my size is eight that flopped about my feet um because I for some reason she struggled with seeing me I don't know who's seeing me. Anyway, so I dated this guy who spent all his time talking about how his children's penises were bigger than his, and which was so fucking bizarre. 
but he also what what do you do he had a child these people are alive and exist and they're right here um who was like a senior in high school was going into his senior year and the college counselors were calling over zoom okay to like plan out like his college application process which you know it was sort of an interesting conversation um i have a number of friends who are sort of in the throes of that process their kids going to be a senior going to be they are this was a year ago so now they're seniors but whatever and you know we're thinking about college and what they're going to do post high school so it's you know it's not the most you know riveting topic but it's fairly interesting and was a clue for me into who this guy was and at some point he said well my kid's not going to college and i was like why why you you went to college um your ex the kid's mom went to college like what's the story and he was like, well, you know, I don't know if he's smart enough or if he is, you know, it's not really like a thing, you know, he should just like go to community college and move out and, you know, he'll figure it out. And I was like, wait, wait, that that's your plan for your child. Like, you know, the day they turn 18, they move out and they figure it out. And he was like, yeah, he's, he's, he'll be fine. And it was like just the bizarrest thing. And I could see, like, he really felt that his children were smarter or better off or whatever than him. And it was like, you know, he took no, or took every, I guess, opportunity to sort of cut them down. And it was bizarre. Um, Also, um, one of the things I didn't like about that guy is that he, how can I say this? He um, gleefully talked about uh, corporal punishment. So we're sitting around one day, God save us all. And he was talking about something his kids did. And he goes, oh, you know, but I beat their little butts. But he had like a smirk on his face. And I was like, what? You think corporal punishment's a good idea? Would you do that now? No, this is the wrong reaction. But I really was like so surprised. Um, And he was like, no, no. Like seeing my face, like his reaction was no, no, of course not. But I remember that glee, like. You know, I beat their little butts and he spent all his time, well, different conversation, moving on. Um, Number three, he calls women bitches. Oh my God. So I don't even know what to say. Like, you're on a date with a guy and he's like, well, you know, my ex, she's a bitch. Or, you know, this woman I worked with, she's a bitch or whatever, or she's dumb or she's stupid or she's lazy or she's fat, which objectively may be true, but you just like, who talks about this? And it was bizarre to see men spend their time having all these derogatory, not thoughts, I guess people have a lot of thoughts. I'm sorry, saying out loud to somebody that they would like to sleep with or are sleeping with God save me. Um, talking about like, well, she's lazy and she's dumb and she's fat and she's a bitch. And I'm like, okay, wow. And then, you know, the next word out of their mouth is, but I love women. <laughs> and you're like, don't think so. A lot of misogyny out there. Um, and not hidden that well. Uh, number four was he tries to lower your expectations. Oh, so much of that. And, you know, I guess... They will tell you these things about themselves, like, I'll say, using self-deprecating humor. You know, well, I'm not all this or I'm not all that. 
And I was like, why are you telling me this? You know? And, you know, the answers varied. But what I finally figured out is they were trying to lower your expectations. Like, hey, don't expect much of me. I know I'm saying I'm nice, but uh, I'm not going to do that. And uh, I'm not going to do any of these other things. And if you ever call me on it, I'll say, but I told you I'm not that guy. Um, But that was weird. And what I took to heart. Uh, Number six. Oh, no. Oh, God, number five. He's in the throes of an active addiction. Oh, my God. I guess nobody puts on their dating profile. 5'10", dark hair. Also in the throes of an active addiction. But um, it's a thing that people will lie about. And then they will tell you about. And then they're like, but I'm going to quit. And you're like, if you were going to quit, you would have done it already. Um I'll talk to you about that at some other time, but no, no active addiction. And I don't even know how to ask, but um, I'll have to figure that one out later. Um, Number six, he has no interests. This is like, I don't even know if it's toxic, but when you meet somebody who has no interests and no friends and they're over, I don't know, 16, I got the vibe and some of them explicitly said out loud that they were looking for a relationship to fill all the holes in their life, like to putty over all the cracks. And I did not and do not want to do that for anyone. And they're like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm going to go to this play and I'm going to go see this friend and I'm going to eat out at this place where I want to try this new kind of restaurant or whatever it is. And 50% of them were like, Oh, that sounds great. I hope that in our relationship you can introduce me to these things. Or why do you have the need to do all these things? Isn't a relationship enough? And I was like, oh my God, I don't want to spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week with anybody but myself. And that's because that's a forced <laughs> kind of relationship. I got nobody else but me. But um, I want to somebody who has other interests because when they make you their own interest, this goes one of two ways. They're like going to smother you or they're going to abuse you. Uh, number seven. Oh, he's a not-so-secret rager. So my experience of dating has been that people, nobody I don't think has yelled or screamed at me. It's so hard to distinguish that from my marriage where I spent 20-plus years being yelled and screamed at. Um, not to mention my childhood. So I um, obviously like don't end up in situations as of yet with anybody who's like a ranger because I have a bigger like antenna out for that than most things. But what I'm discovering when listening to people talk is that they're like, well, not so secret ragers. You know, I went out with a guy who was like, Oh, I just got off the phone with my ex and I was screaming and she hung up on me. Or I just got off the phone with my kids because they wanted to, I don't know, fill in a blank during COVID, go out and act stupid. And I was screaming at them and, you know, they hung up on me. And I was like, is this, is this like, are you, are you proud of this? Like, this is the bizarrest sort of thing. And why are you raging? And yes, the people were probably right to hang up on you because who talks to ragers? I have a lot of experience of how to dodge ragers, but um, talking to them in the midst of their like screaming red-faced rage is not like high on the list. And 
but they were always so proud of it. Like, look at how ragey I am, but I'm not with you. I couldn't, I don't know. One of the many things I can't figure out. Uh, number eight, he wants to see you cry. This was bizarre. So look, I understand that in a relationship, you know, being vulnerable is important. And, you know, I guess intimacy is sort of like a trading of vulnerabilities. But, you know, there's a couple of guys who are like, oh, I'll know we're intimate and I'll know we're close when I see you cry. And all I can think of is, are you planning to make me cry? Like, what do you think is going to happen that, you know, I'm going to cry? And the other thing is, like, they wanted to swoop in. Like, they wanted to have this feeling like, oh, well, if you cry, because I did ask, you know, I can take care of you. And I'm like, you know, if you just be kind, you could take care of me. But hey, um, oh, you know, number nine, he's physically overwhelming. This is something somebody pointed out to me last week, and I uh, had never noticed it before. But my experience with dating is that when guys want to, I don't know how to say this kindly, want to shut me up or don't want to address whatever issue I'm talking about, whatever they've done that I don't think I want to deal with, they would, what I said in the conversation was physically overwhelm me. What I meant was that by that was they'll like kiss me or hug me or like uh, be overly sexually aggressive. I don't want to make it, look, I'm consenting. So there is that. But they like just think if they hug me or kiss me, if they sit really close or if they like, you know, stroke me or try to take off my clothes, then it'll end the conversation that they don't want to have. And uh, it took me a long time to see that pattern but I've experienced it a lot. Um, and then number 10, nothing is his fault. Oh my God. You would think like these are men, um, and they're mostly white and, you know, in a country where like the patriarchy is pretty supportive of them. And I, in general, I'm also reading Hillbilly Elegy, so I'm not unaware of like the other side of this coin, but I'm talking about where I live and the people I've met, and you would think that, you know, they lived in, like, I don't know, war-torn Sierra Leone, um, the way they talk about how they've been victimized by their parents, by their ex, by their bosses, by their job, by life in general, um, and I'm not saying it's not, it's hard out here, (laughs) it's hard out here for a pimp, and it's hard out here for everybody else, but, that sort of victimization and laying blame at everyone else's feet is not great because, you know, well, in one sense, you know, what I figured out is that while they're going to lay blame at everybody else's feet, the minute you're out of the room, they're laying the blame for whatever's going on in the relationship that's not, you know, working for them at your feet. Um, or they'll do it to your face. Well, if you were more vulnerable, if you were more, I don't know, whatever, then I could be the guy that I should be. Yeah, okay. Okay, sure. And even, like, this is the, this is like the, I don't know, the flaming cherry on top of the pile of shit. Um, one guy I dated said, okay, so he lied about being a smoker. And, um... He's like, but I'm quitting, right? 
I'm like, when did you start smoking? He's like 30 years ago. I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. Um, that seems like a really entrenched habit, but go you. Um, so at some point when I was like talking to him about the problems in our relationship, I was like, plus this, like you're smoking like pack a day. And he's like, well, the reason I'm smoking is because you make me anxious and I don't feel comfortable in this relationship. And I thought, okay. Sure, if I'm to blame for your current smoking, that's one thing. But what about the other 30 years? Who do you blame for that? Um, and you know what? He had an answer. So but I will not, I will spare you the 30-year blame list um, from that guy. So I don't know. Um, what I think I'm deducing or the conclusion um, that I'll share with you is that I dated a lot of guys who were nice. Um, but I don't know if I dated any who were kind and that's something I want going forward. And I'm about to read you chapter, uh, 17, um, the day trader. And one of the things that I'll admit and about this guy whose actual real name, I don't even remember. I have to look it up. Is that while I was nice to him, I was actually not kind and I can't figure out why, like he was perfectly nice and lovely. And I was just not kind to him because I didn't have it in me at that time. I think I was so frustrated over the other people I was dating, seeing, fucking, whatever, that I didn't have it in me to be kind to this guy. So, well, you'll see what happens with the day trader. But um, <laughs> part of me wants to call him sometimes and like apologize and go, oh my God, I was so unkind to you. You seem like a person who is kind. I hope you found somebody who can treat you with loving kindness because that's what you deserve. All right, well, let's get into chapter 17, The Day Trader. Ready? <laughs> Strap in. Let's go. Seventeen, The Day Trader, March 17. I'm kind of shocked this date ever happened. Last weekend, when Classic Car Guy was debating on whether or not he was going to make the drive to my place, I turned to my perpetual backup plan, Tinder. I swiped a few times. By now, it should be clear how it started. I swiped until what I found what I was looking for, a guy who was cute, long hair, musician, same shit, different day. It was past 8 o'clock, and I wasn't in the mood to beat around the bush. I didn't have it in me to text for hours or days before we met. I wanted a backup plan for the night. Me, what are you doing on Tinder? Day trader, looking for you. Well, that was the right answer. I may have got off Tinder messaging for 40 minutes while I negotiated with Classic Car Guy on whether or not he was coming as it was getting close to 9 o'clock. Day trader, what are you up to? Me, trying to keep my nights interesting. This one is looking touch and go. Day trader, what can we do to make it more interesting? Me? Promise me that I don't have to have nine hours of chat before I can meet you in person. Yeah, a total dick. My impatience, with, my impatience with classic car guy and the endless texting of guys on dating apps was coming through. My filter had gone offline at nine. Day trader? Not at all. We can meet up tonight. It takes you nine hours to respond, though. <laughs> me? Give me a minute. To, you know, text classic car guy and make sure he was in his car and actually driving to my house. Day trader? K. Me, tonight just got complicated in the way I hoped it wouldn't. How's your Sunday looking? Day trader, everything okay? 
got something to take care of, but could be done around six on Sunday. Then 15 minutes pass as I, you guessed it, text classic car guy about meeting up. Long story short, I was a dick when the guy I really wanted showed. The moment classic car guy walked in the door and we walked out to get an Uber for 20 to a 24-7 suit place, I turned off my phone and focused solely on him. The last Sunday had been daylight savings time. That, combined with eating Korean tofu soup at midnight, watching a horror movie till 2 or 3, then spending the rest of the night fucking until 5, set me on a trajectory to not be able to see Day Trader on Sunday. There was a question mark from Day Trader, which I ignored because, of course, classic car guy woke up and we really talked for most of the day. When he was here, he was present. I can't underplay what it's like to be the sole focus of someone who never checks their phone, who talks and listens if we are the only two people on earth. But when he's not here, it's like he's smoke. So when what I described to another friend my weekend with thus begins the normal shit show with classic car guy, where it's push-pull, my friend was not a fan. She'd had a front row seat to his behavior a few weeks earlier where he disappeared for 24 hours and started texting in earnest when she and I were walking on the beach together. He sounds high maintenance, she said. Peter Pan, fly away boy. He's probably sexy though. With that, she nailed it. It wasn't just that he was sexy, but it was a lot that. If he so much as breathed near me, I wanted to stop whatever I was doing and drop my panties. That part was crazy making. None of that mattered if we weren't in the same zip code, much less in the same room. Day Trader, as it turned out, was very much in the same zip code. When it became clear that this weekend, no manner of coaxing was going to get classic car guy from his couch or bed or whatever to mine, I was back on Tinder. I debated a long moment before texting Day Trader again. He would have been well within his rights to give me a huge middle finger. Me? Got sucked into too much drama. What are you up to tonight? Day Trader, just out with a friend. About to rap. You? So look, I was a dick again, or a tired person. I probably fell asleep on that conversation. I do that a lot, honestly. Fall asleep on, in, and out of app texting. I find the back and forth mind-numbing. Plus, I like to get a bit early, so I can turn up to the first classes at the gym. On Sunday, I took one last run at it anyway, because persistence pays, right? Me, I went to sleep. Now I'm going to make a quick one to the store before I come home. You, day trader, just got home. No plans for tonight? Me, totally flea and clear. Day trader, do you feel like doing something tonight? Me, I do. Day trader, okay, I'm going to hop in the shower. It says you're a mile away from me. Not sure if that's accurate. I'm in West Hollywood. He gave me his cross streets, which were almost my cross streets. Then he gave me his number so we could get off the app. That was a good sign. To this day, I still don't have Naughty Dread's actual number. I thought of offering him mine, but in the end didn't do it. So when he went to chat with me, to Tinder he goes, Day Trader's better than I, because he texted right away. I gave him my address, then the dots. The three dots were winking at me for a long time. Day Trader, seriously? I grew up on that street. Me? Really? Day Trader gives me his childhood address. I flick open my curtains and look across the street. There it is, his childhood home. Me? I'm guessing you won't need directions. I give him my apartment number. Day Trader, damn. My childhood best friend lived in that apartment. Me? Now, this is weird. Day Trader, weird in a good way? I paused a long time. This was the first time I was inviting a man over who'd already been in my bedroom. The house he'd bought as an adult was only around the corner. 
One minute he was texting, the next he was knocking on the door. After Thunderbolt, who lived around a different corner, I was starting to think maybe I should date farther outside of my neighborhood. I'd like to think I improved on my at-home lounge outfit, but probably not by much. For some reason, I think I was wearing the same old navy or gap shirt I'd worn when Thunderbolt came over. My next goal will be to look for better loungewear. Anyway, day trader. He was both more and less cute than his picture, but I was quickly getting used to this. People put the oddest photos on dating apps, none of which really looked like them. My less than six-month-old photos were starting to seem like the most honest thing anyone had done in the online dating world in a long time. This was the first person I'd been on a date with who wore cologne. I thought, wow, showered, dressed, and clothes that are clearly ironed and cologne? Let me say at the outset that I expected this date to be similar to that with Thunderbolt. Wine or no wine, get naked, have sex, he goes home, I go to sleep, and add another notch to my bedpost. It went nothing like this. Instead, he was the perfect gentleman. His mom would have been proud. His grandmother, even more so. I know this because he he spent St. Patrick's Day with his mother and grandmother. He was that kind of guy, one who cared for his family, one who was honorable, one who wasn't going to desecrate my couch on the first date. The thing is, I kind of liked him, so much that we stayed up the entirety of Sunday night talking. For him, I disregarded Monday. He was very much an honest, forthright guy. He owned a duplex he shared with his grandmother. He just closed one business and started another. He worked part-time as a day trader. He'd once been a music editor, but didn't do that for a living anymore. He was nice. Niceness always sucked me in. The other thing that got me, he didn't spend endless time complimenting me. It was great not to have to hear how I was better looking in person, great looking, sexy, etc. I like a compliment as much as anyone else, but sometimes it can get to be too much. Instead, he came over, clearly having put effort into it. He was showered, well-dressed in clothes that may have met in iron and doused in cologne. Despite that, and the fact that he wouldn't take the invitation to sleep with me, I really enjoyed talking to him all eight hours that we talked. I learned that while we agreed on some of the best television shows ever made, he'd never seen The Wire. It seemed inconceivable. So when I showed him to the door at five in the morning, we agreed to a second grade, a screening of The Wire. Oh, I don't even know what to say about this. This does not present me in a good light. Oh my God. So he was really nice. Um, you know what? Actually, he was kind, um, which I guess will come up in later chapters because I did see him again. Um, I feel like I want to make a Princess Bride joke, but I'm not even that person. But I do think it was inconceivable that he hadn't seen The Wire. Um, and actually, I don't even watch like that much TV, but I do think it was one of the best, if not the best television show ever made. I own it on DVD. And um, maybe maybe that's what I'll do today. Maybe I'll watch The Wire instead of write a book. I could do either way. So, um, actually, that makes me feel really bad, the state. I can't believe it. Because, you know, I have probably complained over many episodes and probably to many friends about guys who would treat me this way and... I turned into this person, um, and I'm not even this person. God, if I had gone out with him, like, as, like, a first, like, one of the first people I'd gone out with, I would have been much kinder, um, and much nicer, and probably would have had, like, a great time with him, 
But I was just frustrated with Classic Car Guy. And I think I was taking my frustration out on this guy. It's like, well, if people are going to treat me cavalierly and be total shit, then I'm just going to do that to someone else. Sort of like the hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people chain. Oh, uh, cautionary tale. Well, I guess one thing is... um, Gee, Jolie, maybe you should be nice. Um, I haven't run into this guy out in the world, um, but he does live around the corner. And uh, actually, I used to pass it on the way to the gym all the time, but, you know, COVID, gym. So I actually don't drive over. uh, He lived off Melrose. I don't drive over there um, that often. And I actually haven't been over there. I don't know why. Probably because I don't have anywhere to go. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I haven't gone over there because I don't have anywhere to go. Um, but I used to drive by it and think about him. Actually, part of me sort of wants to like send him a message apologizing. Not that that would serve any purpose other than to like make me feel better um, for being a total ass. But there is a big part of me that just wants to call him up and go, "Hey." Uh, I know I was a total dick. You are really nice. Um, I'm glad that you're kind to your grandmother and that you're kind to your mother. And um, I hope that you found somebody who appreciated you. Although I did wonder, and I don't think we talked a lot actually, but I don't think we talked about this, probably because he has some fucking boundaries. Um, I sort of wondered how he had gotten to 40, whatever. And... um, had not like been married or had any kids or dated anyone. Um, I had a lot of thoughts about that. Although I feel like he may have had this relationship. So he was taking care of someone's dog, um, some woman because she was in Japan and, um, which is why like really he had to go home because he had to go like feed his dog or like I think he walked his dog before he came over and then when he went back obviously he like fed and walked his dog or her dog um but she was in Japan and he was taking care of her dog and I had so many thoughts as to like that sounds like your relationship ended because she moved to Japan and now you're caring for her dog but um I don't know anyway he's kinder later in this book and me, total, total fucking shit. But maybe in the sense then, I don't know, I got a little bit of what I deserved um, because I ended up spending more time with people who treated me like I treated him. Oh, karma, she's a bitch. She sat me down for tea and told me how it was. I get it. Um... I am actually truly sorry for the way I treated him, and I certainly will never do that to anyone again. I'm Jolie Moore, and this has been 51st Dates, the podcast. If you enjoyed listening, I hope you'll share, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts. It will help others find the craziness that is dating in Southern California. Also, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. If you'd like to read ahead, my memoir, 51st Dates, is available wherever books are sold. A link is always included in the show notes. I'm also a romance writer. If you want to know more about my books, please visit joliemore.com for more information. You can also follow me on Instagram at xojoliemore 
and on all social media at the same handle, XO Jolie Moore. Thanks for listening, and I'll be in your ears next week.